We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, with the new video game-based movie, Free Guy, uh, being distributed by 20th Century Studios. Sounds so weird to say. wow. Yeah. Uh, We are going to be reviewing another movie about a different player of a different game. The 2009 film Gamer, starring Gerard Butler uh, and directed by uh, Mark Nevildine and Brian Taylor, the duo behind Crank. So that should should explain everything. Um, And um, so if you are new to our podcast, we like to take a look at old movies based on new movie releases and oftentimes we will review movies that have been in the zeitgeist or movies that we are just kind of loosely familiar with the premise and then we'll review it so in addition to being very accurate this also serves as an apology for anyone uh who might have thought that this was family friendly podcast video Uh, games yeah, which it is for the most part. We don't always review family-friendly films. The podcast is family-friendly. Correct. Uh, yeah, the films are not. I mean, we've watched some spicy films here. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I some... mean, this one, mm-hmm. um, there was there was another one, I'm sure. There, uh, yeah. Shark Tale was just yeah. <laughs> the violence. I think we've we've gone pretty deep into like the most most of the horror movie franchises. Yeah, uh, I mean, All Dogs Go to Heaven... <laughs> Every dog in there was dead. So that's horrifying. Yeah. And we and, did and it. The, and the sequel is on its way, and it's just going to show us how each dog died. Uh, oh, so... my goodness. You really <laughs> double down on that. Uh, yeah. So the movie itself, not not, not family-friendly, but we're going to talk about it in a way that'll be like, oh, what a, what a cautionary tale, mayhaps. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Grayson, before we do that, I felt... It was important because I had to explain. I watched this movie with my wife, and I felt like I had to explain a lot of things to her. So I decided it would be a perfect time to have uh, a little uh, flashback flicks PSA on TV and movie ratings. Oh, yeah. I've never understood them, so this is going to be this is going to be good. All right, so. TV ratings in movies. Uh, basically, if you're watching TV on the top little left-hand corner, a little icon will pop up telling you it's TV dash letter. And that was introduced in our lifetime, Ricky. This is a relatively new thing. Yeah. So TVY stands for um, all children. TVY7 directed to slightly older children of age of seven, uh, TVY7FV. I'm sorry, can I back you up? Because the first one you said is Y stands for all children. Yes, yes. Well, Y, youth. Got uh, it. That, okay. That's what the Y is. So Thank you. It is, <laughs> that, yes, that, I can see how that is immediately confusing. It. Uh, so it's Y, youth, Y7, youth seven, uh, TVY7FV, which stands for uh, U7 with Fantasy Violence. Um, G 
which is general audiences, and that can mm. be uh, all ages, contains little or no violence, no strong language, uh, and little or no sexual dialogue or situations. PG stands for parental guidance suggested, um, intended for younger children in the company of an adult, possibly contains some suggestive language and frequent coarse language, some sexual situations, or more moderate violence. Then it goes to TV 14, which was super, super new. Uh, it's intended for children ages 14 and older in the company of an adult. Possibly contains intense suggestive dialogue, strong coarse language, intense sexual situations, or intense violence. And then there's finally the TVMA, the Rick and Morty rating, uh, intended for adults mm. and may be unsuitable for children under the age of 17. Possibly contains crude indecent language, explicit sexual activity, or graphic violence. So, why is this important? Typically, before the age of streaming and just like selecting on demand whatever it is you want to watch uh television programs were broadcasted and even before that um movies were just played in a similar uh setting and in order for parents to be able to differentiate what content was appropriate or inappropriate for their children especially as older generations were just like having the tv on and just like letting the TV run, um, they would have this rating so that parents could know that something was appropriate or inappropriate. I personally remember this back when uh, I was told I couldn't watch anything that said TV 14 because that was too uh, too advanced for my under 14 uh, television. But this is a movie podcast, so let's hop on over to the movie rating side of things. Um, originally... There were actually, I want to say, just four TV ratings. Uh, there was G, PG, and R, and then NC-17. So uh, a little bit of trivia with the PG-13 rating. Um, it was added in 1984 um, as a, a bridge between PG and rated R because, you know, as you know now, there are movies that fall kind of right there in the middle, what we like to call Marvel movies. So, uh, the movie that got the first PG-13 was actually Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen's movie, Red Dawn. It was released as a PG-13. Yes. Not retroactively. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, those ratings are all surrounding uh, largely the general audience. Uh, G meaning general audience. PG meaning parental guidance suggested. PG-13, parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13, which uh, includes things like... Um, Violence, nudity, uh, sensuality, uh, language, adult activities, or other elements, uh, but does not reach the restricted R category. Uh, some people uh, will uh, utilize like a one one very strong swear word in a PG thirteen movie. So you you might get uh, just the one, and then you're like, okay, that's the one, because otherwise, more than that, you you know, it becomes gratuitous language, and then it gets the R rating. R stands for restricted, uh, and children under 17 require a company by a parent or legal guardian, uh, and it is rated R because it may include adult themes, adult activity, hard language, intense or persistent violence, uh, 
sexually oriented nudity, uh, drug abuse, or other elements so that parents are counseled to take this rating very seriously. Uh, NC-17 then, um, th typically people associate this with being obscene or pornographic, but um, it is actually a rating that simply signals that the content is appropriate only for an adult audience. Uh, R, you know, uh, children under 17 can be accompanied by a parent or guardian. Um, I've seen several uh, rated R movies with my parents uh, just because it was uh, a movie that they said, I, I'll bring my kid and I'll cover their eyes and their ears for all the inappropriate stuff. It's mostly mm. comedies. Yeah. yeah, it's like, I mean, Matrix Reloaded was that for me. Um, and uh, Passion of the Christ, Yep, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a hard R. Right. But we decided it was important for, to add that because it, it plays, pun always intended, a very important role uh, in this movie. So with all that being said, Gamer is a movie starring um, Gerard Butler, who plays John Cable Tillman, a death row inmate forced to battle other prisoners in an online game called Slayers. Uh, no relation to the... Um, anime uh and he has his every move controlled by a young gamer's remote device if the players survive three matches uh the prisoners who are playing the game uh they get a full pardon in an early prison release uh, to the players, Cable and the other inmates are just simulated characters. But to a resistance group that opposes the game's now billionaire inventor, Ken Castle, played by Michael C. Hall, Cable, who is played by Gerard Butler, who has just survived his record-setting 27th match, is a critical piece of their plan to end the sinister inventor's form of high-tech slavery. Tale as old as time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's the that's the premise of the movie, and all started as an idea uh, way back in 2007, uh, where Lakeshore Entertainment reteamed with Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor uh, to produce a high concept futuristic thriller called Game. Uh, Neville Dean and Taylor wrote the script for Game and were slated to direct the film with actor Gerard Butler to cast in the lead role. It seemed like a promising shoot. Uh, and so they went to New Mexico and had a 53-day shoot. And uh, they changed the title uh, from Game to Citizen Game, uh, which I think would have... <laughs> man... I would have I would have already owned this movie and a steel case DVD, nay, Blu-ray, if they named it Citizen Game. Oh my goodness. Uh, Citizen but, Game. Now then they ultimately changed the movie to Gamer. Uh now the movie uh went on with a budget of fifty million dollars, went on to make at the box office, $42 million. Uh, it did not recoup its money back. It also didn't have that strong of an opening. Uh, and it was also released at the exact same time that another movie was being released about a um, semi-futuristic world uh, where people play as 
let's just call them surrogates of one another in the movie called Surrogates. That's uh, the Bruce Willis one, right? Bruce Willis released the same year. I want to say maybe even like the same season. Uh, and so it had some competition with that and it also got a lot of bad reviews. And so the movie uh, did not select continue after the countdown was that's actually way too ominous. It did win for best trailer, though. Oh, that's that's good. And that it got a golden I trailer didn't know that award. That was its own category. So, yeah. Well, they are trailer based awards, but yeah. Although I, I'm curious about this because the category is best trailer dash no movie. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. Oh man. Best trailer no movie. I think someone needs to break it to someone that well, they made the movie. <laughs> So yeah, the, the movie exists. Yeah, the movie the movie strongly exists. All right, so um, a, another little bit of context with this movie. Grace and I, uh, off camera or I, I guess off mic, have been talking about trying to figure out if we have actually seen this movie in theaters and also in theaters together. <laughs> Yeah, because when- yeah, it started out. Had we seen it? Yeah, had we seen it in theaters? Had we seen it in theaters together? I think I have the answer. Um, what do What do you think, Rick? I think there are so many elements of this movie that I keep on remembering that I'm like, I guess I have seen this movie. So I'm at least putting a vote for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with um, you know, they're having um. Uh, Michael C. Hall uh, in the movie I was not uh, I didn't watch Dexter at the time and the only person who I knew who watched Dexter was you Um, so that puts me into the I think we watched this movie together oh look at this this review you get a bonus trivia challenge question in it what about you Um, I I'm convinced. I know I've seen this movie. Okay. After having seen it, I know I've seen it um, because I was. It was unlocking, oh, unlocking uh. these memories. Um, and then I'm convinced that we saw it together. Yeah. In theaters. Not only that, I'm also convinced that we saw surrogates together <laughs> in theaters. Yes. Because there was definitely like, wait, when does this? Oh, that was surrogate. Yep. Stop looking for Bruce Willis. Yep. He's not showing up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, so we saw, so we did see this movie. Good. Mystery solved. We did. Uh, we, we have seen this, uh, remembered nothing before it happened. No. No. So, uh, so here's the thing. The reason why we have the whole ratings thing is because sometimes movies are made and sometimes they get the coveted R rating. Some people want an R rating with their movies uh, because they feel like it will distinguish it from the other um, styles of movies that are in a PG-13 category. For example, I remember uh, as a teenager watching horror movies that a good horror movie wasn't going to be rated PG-13 just because, like... I don't know. I forget the logic, but I think it was just like, yeah, the R movie is going to be more violent. You're going to get a more intense, believable story. Uh, and so we, anytime we saw a PG-13 movie in theaters, we would kind of make fun of it and kind of, you know, 
uh, poke fun at it. But people, you know, like the Marvel, whole Marvel plex of movies want the PG-13 movie because it opens you up to like the widest audience. Uh, and so certain things that you will mm-hmm. see in a PG-13 movie is you might see people using guns, but you might not see blood splatter. That's one of the major distinguishers between a R movie or a PG-13 movie. Uh, yeah, which is why Logan really yes. felt uh, like such an escalation. And I'm not talking yeah. about Logan. Yeah, Land. and and, yeah. Uh, and that's why Deadpool fought for an R rating uh, and yeah. I'm not talking about uh, Deadpool Lehrman. Uh, so this movie. <laughs> Deadpool Lehrman. How the heck are you? So Gamer uh, definitely falls into that category. They wanted an R rating. And sometimes there are certain things you can do to get an R rating. Um, you can. I... Yeah. I mean, Jack Black almost put uh, School of Rock into R rating. Yeah territory yep. with some outtakes it's not hard to no. get the r rating some but sometimes you so spectacularly overshoot yeah. that goal and then uh-huh. you find yourself in yeah New so gamer is that movie it is it, it has a lot of uh gratuitous language a lot of nudity um and it's it is it's all very in your face is what I'll say. Uh, But it reminded me of just that whole, uh, that concept. uh, uh, What am I going to say? I'm trying to be so, every movie is a miracle, but I'm, 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 ha, okay. Citizen game. (laughs) Do this for citizen game. Uh, And so, so with that, uh, it was very shocking. And it reminded me of sometimes the thing that you'll see, um, in certain rated R movies like this, uh, where things are done solely because you have the rating. Um, I, I think I thought certain language choices were like, oh, I mean, I don't think human beings talk like this, but sure. I believe that in this world, these people do. Uh, yeah. Cause Ricky, this isn't present day. This is as the film tees up, <clears throat> Some years from this That's exact right, moment. 100% correct. And in fact, if you're looking for a specific year um, and you go on the IMDb, you too will know that this actually took place in the year 2034. So I'm just behind by like 14, 13 years. So. Yeah. Language yeah. really just it, escalates. It does. Um, yeah. Although I do enjoy the way I know we're 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 mining for gold here, but I do enjoy the way that they set up that exposition in the opening title sequence. Um, it reminded me of um, like the Incredible Hulk movie uh, in the MCU, where they're like, "Yeah, you just kind of need a loose setup for what this is going to be. We're not going to spend forty-five minutes of developing this technology. We're just going to tell you in the credit sequence." And I appreciated that. Um, I also, you know, the, I was thinking about some of those choices they make, like you mentioned the, the nudity of it. And I was like, well, why was that there? There had to be a creative reason other than just going for the rating. And I, I really do because of how much there is and the way that it's used, that they use that as a way of dehumanizing, just like what the game does, what the program does. Cause there's two games in the movie. There's, 
um, was it Slayers is the yep. one that Gerard Butler is part of. And then there's Society, which is more like Second Life if your avatars were actually humans and they call them icons. So using that of like, oh, they're use, they're stripping everything away because there is no value on any of that. They, they treat them like objects. And I was like, okay, I'm starting thematically to see where some of these choices came in. Overall, there was just this lack of valuing humanity, which is why you have this rogue operation to bring everything down, why they call themselves the humans, because that's the most human thing in that world that is just operating through screens and code and nothing is really what it seems they're they're actually real it felt like the matrix you know like when when you get unplugged you go to the ship you eat the goop all that stuff like that was uh i got very matrixy vibes there so i was like okay i start to understand those extremes then because if you live in this like horrible chaotic world what does it look like to just step back and be like oh i'm a person i'm real uh and coming to grips with that so yeah, those choices, uh, it's an assault on the senses for sure, but I think very intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's good on you, Grayson. Way to find that. I, <laughs> I, I, I think something that I, watching this movie, uh, was I was just surprised by the the sheer intensity of it. Because, I mean, you brought <laughs> The Matrix. The Matrix was rated R. Yeah, it yeah, it did. None of the things this movie did. Uh, but again, taste, style, yeah. vision, I get it. Uh, just You just made the most Will Forte face I've ever seen you make. It was just a lot. It's a lot. Uh, I did write down Terry Crews, more like Scary Crews. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> they have Terry Crews in this movie, and he is... That that namesake, Scary Cruise. A scary Cruise. Oof, boy, oh boy. Uh, I also learned that you can throw up into a car <laughs> and it'll go. Oh, this is, that was such a great that moment. Like realization though of where is this going? Yeah. Where is this going? Yeah. And then oh I don't know if the science <laughs> checks out, but that hasn't stopped me so far. Okay, so in all transparency, this was this was not my favorite movie. I'll say that, um, and especially rewatching it, I I thought it was completely different with it than what it actually ended up being. Uh, and and which was surrogates? I thought it was surrogates. Uh, because I remember the premise. Because also taking a look at the time, you know, um, Call of Duty. A Halo, a lot of these type of games are pulling in millions of dollars. They're really height. It's one of the the height of some of its popularity, um, and it made sense when they were releasing uh, this kind of movie. But also, and here's here's one of the most important details about the release of this movie. This movie Gamer uh, was released in 2009. It's a movie. About a guy being played by some other character in a faraway place. Count the exact same year that Avatar did. And it's just, there were a lot of people who had a lot of ideas 
about what it would be like if they could play someone else mm. and not everyone ended up on top. We had yeah. we have Avatar, Gamer, and Surrogate. Tron Legacy was in there too, right? They they brought Tron back. Oh yeah. They uh let's see, Matrix was still doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Tron Legacy came out just a year later and they were like, oh, I did conceptually and stylistically, this did feel like it could exist in a trilogy of films. Outside of those concepts, I didn't write those down. That would have been good. Um, but I got very similar, like, in time feelings from oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, as well yeah. as Looper, um, which I think yeah. Looper is probably a little more elevated than those. Again, I was just looking for Bruce Willis, but. I I got the same kind of feeling of, okay, you have this one specific difference in the world and there's this there, there's this leader that's corrupting the world for greed and all that kind of stuff. Like, they just had very similar beats. So I was like, oh, I could see there being kind of a, a, a loose connection. Like, if I were to buy a bundle, like, just from, like, a $5 bundle yeah. bin thing from Walmart or whatever, I'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, Gamer, yeah. End Time, and Looper all together. Sure. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah. The, huh, man. This really took it out of you, it, Ricky. I've never seen you like this after after a viewing. Grayson, it's – I think my – the thing I'm reacting to the most is that – the movie <laughs> didn't – I think the movie could have been a different movie, deliver on the exact same point or theme or message without mm. going the route that they did. I, I, I'm I'm reminded of, like, early YouTube uh, where uh, YouTube would do – certain YouTubers would do pranks. There's one particular YouTuber who kind of got into trouble – uh, over doing some things that uh, was done in the name of pranking people. But his justification was, oh, no, I was doing this prank to show people that this is bad. And it's like, what? You're, 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 you're doing this. Th that's like, it's literally... <laughs> This is, and I'm realizing it in the moment. It's like the Pokemon movie saying that fighting mm. is bad. Mm. Like what they were doing, like at the very crux of like, oh yeah, you know, fighting's not the way to solve your problems. I'm like, what Pokemon is, what do you think the entire franchise is based on? What are you talking about? And so I felt like the movie was kind of doing that where it was like, Oh yeah, no, we're showing you that humanity is valuable by by going this route. Like and it's uh it's it's something that I I just I just don't agree with <laughs> the way that they went about telling this story, but I also think that they were I think the movie yeah. was trying to intentionally be super in your face and super uh for lack of a better term, offensive, um, just to be like, yeah, like, whatever, we got an R rating, and... That's the line of dialogue, to... right? We got, <laughs> yeah, whatever, we got the R rating. Michael C. Hall's like, yeah. I don't think my character would say that. They go, do it with a southern accent. 
Um, but the, the, hey, don't do this, but we're going to do it because to show you shouldn't, that's a, something that I find fascinating. And they've been doing that in movies since the 30s. Uh, where in what was it? it was the public enemy in 1931 from Warner Brothers. It was this gangster movie that's just like for the time really outrageous. Like like the when I say gangster movie, think everything that like Godfather pulled from and all that kind of stuff. Like it was violent. There was drinking stuff. Like standards and practices was not happy when they saw this. So to fix it. The very last, spoiler alert for this 1931 movie, the very last scene of The Public Enemy is the main character has got his comeuppance, and they've, like, wrapped him up in a rug or something like that. They've clearly killed him or frozen him or whatever, and he just kind of, like, falls into the doorway wrapped up, and uh, and he's, he's dead. So then the text comes on the screen about, like, this a horrible lifestyle, people who want to be gangsters end up dead, this kind of thing. This is how I'm remembering it. It's been a while since I've seen it. I didn't see it in theaters, but it's been a while since I've seen it. But I just remember that we followed this guy and, like, cheered for him for, like, an hour and a half to two hours. And the whole lesson was don't be like that guy. And that bugged me. So I looked into it and it was purely so they could make the movie they wanted to make. And then they were like, well, if you tell people don't do that, then I think it's okay. Like, can you imagine every episode of Breaking Bad ending that way? Where they're like, and (laughs) just to say it, don't make the meth. Don't sell the meth. Don't do the meth. Well, uh, I think our job's done here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I get I get what you're saying that it can be pretty jarring. I just think it's funny that from 1931 to even the early 2000s movies that we're watching, it hasn't yeah. changed. No, yeah, and and the movie I I, I think just because uh, you know we say on the podcast every movie is a miracle. Every movie is a miracle because the production, like by. By just the sheer number of movies that are produced every year in theaters, mm-hmm. like so many movies just shouldn't make it just by, by production, by timing, by social events, like whatever. Uh, and so, like, we truly believe that every movie's a miracle. I'm struggling with this movie so badly because I, 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 I think it's it's too much of a miracle, yeah. or I. Not too much of a miracle. Let me say it like this. I think that it it is a miracle that this movie got made because it I think it is so I think it's just misguided. <laughs> and I think that uh that they they took a concept that I was on board with um and then kind of betrayed my trust. It feels like a little bit like it's like, oh yeah, like you you like video games, like yeah. Like, what if, like, you were playing video games with real people? I'm like, oh, man, like, that would be crazy. Uh, let, let's see this movie. And it's just like, well, you're, this is the world in which that is in. I'm like, oh, oh no, <laughs> what, what happened? Yeah, it was a lot of, you like this, right? Like, you like video games? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You like the future? Sure, sure I guess. Uh-huh. Never really thought about it. You like Milo Ventimiglia? What? No, Milo. <laughs> oh, man. Just oh, his Milo. character's name is like, oh, 
Jeez. Yeah, we can't we can't even say his character's name because this is a family <laughs> podcast. Yeah. We know that most of our listeners get the family to sit around <laughs> the old pod box and you fire it up, you listen, oh. and then you go and have a home cooked meal. We know, we know that that's part of that routine. So we're not even gonna say Milo V's character name in this. You can look it up. But I will say it is um rare that we have a movie that can so perfectly be described by the third build actor in a movie. Uh, and that is just ludicrous. 100% Grayson, 100%. Uh, <laughs> and even rarer that it can be described by the fifth build actor in the movie. And that is just Sedgwick. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. I couldn't have said better myself. So I will. <laughs> it is just so Sedgwick. So Sedgwick. Uh, I feel like I've been talking a lot. What was, what, did you have anything else you wanted to share? I, <laughs> so, so I can usually tell, just, just so everyone knows, Ricky is very diligent about this podcast. It shows he's got these thoughtful, I mean, he did that whole rating system thing. You know, it's just, it's just us talking, right? He can't hear us. So he, I admire this about Ricky in such a profound way. He does so much research and I swoop in and I just like read IMDb as we're recording. Ricky thinks about the, and he watches the movies so far in advance, whereas I like have to cram for the test the night before. I love Ricky is the glue that holds this together. And most of the time we just let the magic happen. We don't discuss our feelings before we record, but I knew that this was going to be a very special episode because of what, <laughs> because of how Ricky texted me during the week. Um, I just, and it wasn't anything like inflammatory or anything. I just knew. I just knew. Let me go back. What would you say? Oh. <laughs> you said, just finish gamer, dot, 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 good luck. And then you sent me a picture that said, <laughs> why is this a spoiler? I don't know. <laughs> that said, uh, it was a screenshot from IMDb, I assume, yes. that said, Warning, spoilers, Gerard Butler did not want his name in the credits after seeing the original cut. And, and then you just sent me a, just a picture of Gerard Butler going, yeah. Um, so I, I knew, with, it's what you didn't say, um, and how you said what you did say, Ricky, that I just knew that this was going to be rough for you. So so thank you. I also know that when we spend a majority <laughs> of the review talking about a rating system that it's not about the movie, I know how much you don't want to talk about the oh, movie. But the, the, the byline on this podcast is every movie is a miracle. I did not take the same level of umbrage that you did with this film, I was like, yeah, I remember when I saw that now. I had forgotten it. I had completely <laughs> saved over it in my mind with so many other similar films. But re-watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember when I saw that movie with Ricky. And so <laughs> I kept waiting. And what did you – you also said something like you'd never seen that level of nudity in a non-art. And so I was like – 
I was bracing myself being like, all right, buckle up for this. And yeah, it's crazy. You should not watch it if you have photosensitivity. <laughs> Let me say yeah. that. Like we have that warning now. This should be like every five minutes, yes. put that warning. I was going to say flash that warning up, but don't just right. put that warning on the screen. Because I mean, I got, I got some of that stuff I deal with. And I was like, I got to look away from the screen. This is going to be a, a thing for me. Uh, but it felt like I was sitting inside of somebody trying to design a roller coaster. Yeah. And I was like, that's fine. And I remember like at the time, what was it? 2009. Yeah. 2009 to me just feels like when people were making these kinds of movies. Yeah. So when my wife asked, how was the movie? <laughs> all I could say was it is so such a movie from that time. And even though, it depicts the future. I think more than anything, it depicts what, quote, cool movies were yes. in 2009. Yeah. Right. And everyone was making this kind of thing. So I understand. <laughs> I understand their impulse to make it like a hard R. Mission accomplished. They did that. I just think that this would have been better served to be a PG-13 movie. I think you would have had way more people because the age that would have been able to go and see the movie was also the age that would have thought this was super cool. Yeah. And so that is the biggest, uh, I think, misstep here. But in terms of performance, like, <laughs> I really enjoyed Terry Crews. I enjoyed Gerard Butler. I, I really liked everyone in this and i always like michael c hall he could have been playing the craziest most lex lutherist character in this which he basically does and i still love it um and this was like height of dexter days too right. like this was a big movie jump for him um as well and so yes i will take michael c hall all day just throw him in and so I honestly wish there just had been more of him in this movie or more of even Gerard Butler. I just think there was so much of, you know, you go to see the battles, I guess, but I was way more interested in maybe just cause I'm in my thirties now, but I was way more interested in just like the life of this character uh, of Gerard Butler and how that juxtaposed against Michael C. Hall, like all the flashback stuff. I was like, yes, I'm very interested in that kind of thing. Um, but I did find myself getting very tired. <laughs> yeah, I was tired by the end of each of the battles. Yep. And uh, yeah, I'm, but I guess that's the roller coaster they dreamt up. So no, Ricky, I did not... <laughs> have the same level of animosity that I feel like you carry. I do wish that it was citizen game. I think that it would have changed that winks every, at itself it enough. Right. Does it everything. And to go from game to gamer just shows uh, the escalation. Yeah. Right. I feel like gamer should have been the sequel to game. <laughs> oh yeah. It was game, yeah. but this one's gamer. Gamer. Hmm. Oh, okay. And then the, make it a trilogy and round it out with Gamist. <laughs> Gamer-er. Uh, oh, Grayson, thank you. I, I really do appreciate that. And you know what? The movie, it wasn't all bad, okay? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> there were some really cool weapons upgrades in the movie. I mean, one of my favorite oh. things that they had in there, uh, they uh-huh. actually had a head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> I just love that you had it. Just to make the transition. All right. I'm back. Headcat is a part show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Yeah. Uh, so my, uh, I think my biggest piece of headcanon uh, has to do with the uh, some of the graphics that were happening in this movie. Like the big billboards mm-hmm. that are being painted on and oh, all those things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like the way I feel like... <laughs> This is my headcanon. This is the way that I think redeems this movie. This movie is a video game. It's not a movie. It's a video game. <laughs> um, we mm-hmm. are watching like the movie version. Like if they were to make like a a, a Grand Theft Auto movie um, that's yeah. following, like, and it's a movie based off of a game. It's the inverse. Like they made a movie out of this game that is a real game. Um, like you would like, oh yeah, have you played Gamer or Gamer 3 or whatever? And you play a kid who is playing this ex-con. So it's like another level removed. This is a game inside the Quentin Tarantino universe. Mm. And that explains everything. It does. It really does explain everything. Um, I like that. I So we are playing at... And you know what? That honestly was my headcanon too, was just that... Not that it is the game or or any of that, but that there is another level. I wish they had revealed one more scene to show someone like logging out and they uh, like close out their Logan Lerman character. Ah. Um, Very kind of like men in black reveal. There's always another like... When do you get? And that is um, that's a philosophical theory. I I know um, I'm not gonna speak to his exact belief system because I will get it wrong. But Jim Carrey has spoken mm-hmm. uh, many times about how yeah. you know, life is a game, and when you you buy nice cars and clothes and stuff, that's just you wanting to upgrade your avatar. And even when you're you're feeling like any negativity, especially self-image wise, you're just tired of playing that character. Um, and so I think you can extrapolate that, which is a fascinating, like the simulation theory model is very interesting uh, to me. But to put that in terms of this movie, I think if they had played with that to where you never know when the game is over, uh, that would have been really interesting. Um, you never really know if it's unplugged. And then you start to tap into like some Truman show elements of, oh gosh, like what is that? If they don't know, like, but everyone knew everything. I think that was the main thing. Everyone knew everything. Um, But my headcanon was that we are seeing, yeah, just like you said, a game being played, but that someone is playing Logan Lerman, which is why we never see his parents. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a minor. We, we never see the parents. They didn't build that out. But all of the um, you know, scenes we're seeing with Gerard Butler aren't actually real life. Those are cut scenes mm-hmm. of the game that you're playing with as Logan Lerman. Nice. Um, and what made me feel like, yeah, that could happen, or this is all... <laughs> a little too real is when i remembered i would play the sims 
and I would buy those Sims a computer, and then I would have the Sims play the Sims. Like, I've never seen any sci-fi film ever and thought that was okay. So, I... I was like, you want to start paranoia at an early age. Yeah. Just have a kid have his sim play The Sims. Uh, just sit there and question life. Oh, oh I love that. And then you just look up to the sky <laughs> and go, who moved my toilet? Yep. Why can't I get out you of the just pool? just look up to the sky and say, Adababa. Afuene. Askira. All right. No. Anyway, that's all I have. Oh, I – so sorry, Ricky. So I mentioned before we started recording that I had another headcanon that just got totally obliterated, um, like uh, like throw up in the gas tank obliterated <laughs> in terms of what happened to my headcanon. And uh, it was that – it was it was that the, the Logan Lerman character was um, – He was being tested, same like all this, kind of like an Ender's Game feel. Um, But once he passed the test, that he was then recruited to another futuristic game and was the Maze Runner. And then I realized that Logan Lerman and Dylan O'Brien are not the same person. And that's when the headcanon fell apart. Maybe it's his kid. No, I mean, if we... And, you know, movies immortalize people, so it could very well be that. Um, yeah. So I, I accept that. I think that's really great. I see that as head maze runner prequel head possibility. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Now we're gonna go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast. Remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Here we go. Okay. So, the premise of Gamer. I would love for this to be an anthology series um, where we go into different versions of games. But the core premise is you are playing real people's lives. And and it kind of goes into the different worlds in which this can exist. Uh, I'm thinking Westworld. Okay? So, we're Mm. talking Westworld. Mm. uh, But instead of it just being like, are these robots real or not? Like... They are human beings who have signed up and opted in to be in these um, situations. Um, and they are basically doing um, live campaigns. Um, and we ex- and we see the kind of Black Mirror slash American Horror Story slash The Witcher um, kind of world. So it goes into different kinds of games. Sometimes you have like a highly militarized game or sometimes you have a more fantasy game or in line with dungeons and dragons but people there's a story going on with the people who are playing the characters or playing as the characters and the people who are playing the characters and the stakes are real like life and death mm. uh mm. which i think would be really really interesting um that being said the cast if we were to redo season one or if if we were to recast Gamer, I think it would follow a similar type of game where it is um, kind of like Call of Duty. Uh, and I would have Jesse Eisenberg mm-hmm. play Henry Cavill. Um, and uh, Henry Cavill would play as Cable. Uh, and, Jess- oh, I see. and Jesse okay. Eisenberg would... Uh, play as um simon simon of course simon says oh because yeah. simon says 
and so Jesse Eisenberg would play Simon. Uh, and I think that that would be really interesting, especially because I would love to see if the back and forth uh, could play a little bit more because I would love to see their first game together. Uh, and so as we mm. go through the season, um, each episode is basically a campaign or two because, I mean, we don't need to necessarily see a 30 episode season. Uh <laughs> But maybe they did like a 10 episode season. And it's like, a, oh, yeah, the first person to make it a 10 campaigns actually gets out kind of thing. Um, and then the next season would focus on something else. But that world would continue to ripple out because I think they have a really interesting purge like premise to explore what that larger world looks like. Um, and I think that that would um, lend itself to some interesting storytelling. Yeah. No, I like that. It it would be kind of like uh, do you ever watch a reboot? Oh yeah, the yeah like the three D animated, yeah, where yeah different games and yeah, yeah drop in yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, I'm also just now realizing I could have done this for headcanon, but uh, John Leguizamo was in a game doing tradesman work. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Luigi got killed. Uh, is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, oh, hard. okay. I hear what you're saying. So you, okay. I see what you. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. I'm saying I'm casting Gerard Butler as Mario. <laughs> uh, no, for uh, for my recast and remake for this movie, though, um, I kept it pretty simple. I just recasted. Uh, a recast cable as uh with Dave Batista. Uh-huh. He's got that, that oh, yeah. action flair. And then for Castle, um, that's the Michael C. Hall character. It's funny you mentioned Jesse Eisenberg, because I had Michael Sarah <laughs> yes. uh to be uh to be Ken Castle. Yeah. That'd be fun. And then I also realized that um this isn't recasting for this movie, but if they ever recast Age of Ultron, Terry Crews has to play Ultron because of his rendition of There Are No Strings on Me. <laughs> yes. He really nailed it. He really did. That was he didn't yeah. know, but that was his audition and he mm. got it. In 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 my my version. I've always said Terry Crews and James Spader are just fighting for the same parts. It it's uh, they're they're in the same wheelhouse, really. One hundred percent. Yeah, um, but to remake this, I would love to see uh, this as a first person movie, oh, like Hardcore Henry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that feeling, uh, like when uh, towards the beginning, when Cable's like, "Turn around, turn me around." Like, imagine not being able to actually do that. The frustration of the camera not turning around, um, I think would just add to that experience. And, you know, as I'm saying it, this just has to be a VR game. Yeah. Right. Oh, like, yeah. that's what it is for them. But how can you make it... Like, um, for Detroit Become Human, that wasn't a VR game, but I would play it through PlayStation VR because you can blow it up and it yeah. feels similar. But... Like that level of immersion into that world, I think would be, um, you know, something worth exploring. Like you said, it was already a video. Like it should have been the game. Just make it the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, you actually made me think of something that I think would be really interesting um, with uh... Terry Crews in the blacklist. <laughs> I know. I would love like no one's asking for this, but, you know, we're in recast remake. Why not? Uh, so I would love it if Gamer was essentially a series uh, and it's a video game version of Once Upon a Time. Uh, oh everyone's asking for that where basically you have all these people who are playing like this hardcore intense um new age uh video game and you're trying to figure out what what player is he like who who is he uh in the video game world um Mm. and then you have this guy who's just super into like uh, his main character attribute is that uh he can't quit smoking he's like yeah smoke a like five packs a day, it just calms me, and that's Pac-Man. Um, and <laughs> then you have um, this guy uh, who just constantly um, is into throwing barrels because that's his weapon of choice in this Donkey Kong. Uh, you get where I'm going. Yeah, one guy going around like snapping up all these bushes out of the ground, and people are like, "Hey, don't be such a hedgehog." <laughs> Like, you took it to, literally. His character doesn't steal hedges. But that would work for Olimar. Oh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have, a, I have a better version for Pac-Man. Uh, so you have this guy who's just really, I mean, he has his, he's trying to shake his addictions because he keeps on seeing ghosts all the time. Uh, but the only thing that mm. makes him feel courageous enough is um, him just taking these pellets and uh turns out that he had the strength inside of him the whole time uh, he's a fitness nut yeah because he's always taking these pellets yeah. he's doing juice cleanses yeah. uh just raw fruit whole 30 yeah 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 mm-hmm. man where is the <laughs> live action pac-man movie that we've been demanding? not pixel i'm talking about live action talking Pac-Man. live action pac-man it's mm-hmm. it is it is yet to be seen <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man. I would I would pay any amount of money to see that. Mm. All right. Now we're <laughs> gonna go into our final segment where we like to give you reasons to recommend. So Grayson, why would you recommend Gamer? I recommend Gamer because, yes, every movie is a miracle. I'm not going to be snarky about it. I'm not. It was fun. Yeah, we had fun. Didn't you have fun? Yeah. 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 Fun was had. (laughs) Uh, The action is insane. Just crazy, crazy action. So if that's what you're looking for, great. But if you're looking for like a Sunday afternoon film, (laughs) just wait. Just wait. Uh, This is is such an interesting concept and i think you can you know see the proof of that from how many versions that <laughs> this concept was done and seen in, in in that year in that span of a couple of years around 2009 um but it wasn't just the playing concept that i think this tapped into it's also very hunger games right and that was <laughs> popular at the same time as well so it's this battle royale style you're you're adding these sci-fi elements to it and honestly i appreciate the the effort of trying to take something like gaming especially in 2009 and make it a little more mainstream right makes gamers look terrible like horrible people but that concept of 
in the future, gaming is incredibly mainstream and it's just like what everybody does. And you're starting to see more and more of that. I, I think, you know, destigmatizing gaming, which I feel like we're basically there now, like the old narrative of like, oh, you play video games? Like that's so old and done and everyone plays games on their phones. Like I I appreciate the step forward that this movie attempted to to bring with that. I think that the the comment on society of what happens when you lose the humanity in the games is very relevant. Uh, and that was a big conversation I know at the time too of you know, are we disassociating too much? Are we living our entire lives online? And I think you know we are living our lives online, especially in the last year and a half. But we figured out a healthier way to do that. And I think movies like this, while they're intended just to be high action, high speed, kind of gratuitous at parts, like they're intended to be that. I think some of that intent is a, is to juxtapose that with a healthy and balanced life. And like no one in this movie, other than really like Gerard Butler's character, uh, is supposed to be likable, right? The humans are. Ludacris is extremely likable in this movie, but that's because they represent the humanity. Uh, at no point do they make a case for this to be a good thing, right? So very Hunger Games-esque in that sense of like, no, you're not supposed... To, this is not my proposal for the future. This is, like we said at the beginning, a cautionary tale. Um, so... Action's nuts. Definitely see stuff in this movie that you don't see in other movies, um, like how to start a car the hard way. Um, but I I have to say this, and we touched on this before. If you have photosensitivity and uh, like the quick cuts, bright lights, all that kind of stuff is not something you can handle. I cannot in good conscience recommend this movie to you uh, for that reason. But if that kind of stuff doesn't bother you and you're just looking for a high octane, higher concept film, uh, then check out Gamer. It's on Tubi, but I ended up having to pay four bucks because I couldn't get uh, couldn't get Tubi working. But it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I paid four dollars. Did you watch it on Tubi, Ricky? <laughs> that's Maybe that's it. I was four dollars invested into this. I needed it to be worthwhile. Oh, I absolutely watched it on Tubi. So, hopefully, you heard my honest thoughts about this movie. And so, the thing I would recommend in this movie, uh, and why I would recommend this movie, is for the gamer. For, for the adult gamer who likes the world of playing those kinds of strategy games. Cause like I, you know, this past year I, I spent a significant amount of time playing the last of us two. Uh, and you get real mm. into these characters. You get really into the choices. I mean, you literally feel like you are making these choices. I remember when I first played the last of us and I'm just like, I'm not doing this. But but I feel so connected to the character that I'm just like, I'm making this choice. I'm impacting this other character if I do or don't do this thing. And I don't want to do this thing. Uh, and so 
I think they uh I think that if that is the focus and that's kind of the uh concept that you go in uh to looking at this movie, I think that like Grayson said, you'll have a lot of fun. Uh, but I think that they um I would recommend it with that, but I think that that's not what enough of the movie is about uh, for it to be the only thing to draw you to that movie. Uh, so you also have to kind of, uh, you know, go in knowing that you uh, might have some fun with the movie as well. Because that I, I think at certain times the movie sometimes took itself too seriously. Um, <laughs> Uh, because it, it felt like, yeah, we're doing this really intense thing because we can. It's like, okay, uh, you can do that a couple of scales back, maybe. But sure, like ultimately, it is, um, it is what it is. It is, um, it it is fun. Actually, no, I'll take that back. Uh, I'm gonna borrow uh the phrase from my friend J.K. who uh who reviewed Suicide Squad, the first one, in this way. Is it a perfect movie? No. Is it a good movie? Sometimes. Uh, and so that is why I would recommend the 2009 movie, Gamer. Nice. Nice. You touched on something interesting, and that was your emotional reaction to playing a game like Last of Us 2. And that's something that Will Wright has talked about in his masterclass. Uh, he designed uh created the sims basically any game with sim in the title he had a hand in and he talks about that's the that's the difference between story and play because with a story you can empathize right you can be like okay i've been through that i understand that story but whenever you are playing you have agency Mm. in those decisions so you can open up a, a much broader spectrum of reaction of guilt and pride and and all of this that you don't have when you're just a passive observer. So if I were to recommend one thing in this segment, it wouldn't even necessarily be the movie. It would be find your genre, your type of game that allows you to experience those emotions beyond being a passive observer. Um, For me, I know God of War was that game. I finished God of War with the same kind of feeling of like reading an incredible book. Um, Because when you read a book, you're essentially playing a game. You are taking the code that has been written down in literary form, and your computer of a brain is putting those pieces together in a way that makes sense, and you're figuring it out. Um, And so... If you want that kind of, and why a lot of people say the book is always better, because you are interpreting it through your experience. The way you read a book, it can't be the way that anyone else reads it, just like the way you play a game can never be replicated exactly the same way by someone else. So uh, this is a movie podcast, but I wanted to take the opportunity to encourage people that don't typically consider themselves uh, citizen gamers to get out there and uh, just check it out because there's something there. There's a whole world there. Um, and uh, my guess is you you might not see the movie based on Ricky's recommendation. <laughs> That's right. but, but you should play a game. You should play a game. Yeah, and, and honestly, 
the real game. Oh, yeah. Was the Michael C. Hall along the way. <laughs> it's Michael C. Hall along the way. And that is our review of the 2009 movie Gamer. Thank you so much for listening and rolling the dice on this podcast, especially if you made it this far. Oh, boy. Can't thank you enough. Uh, we would love to hear what you remember about Gamer on our social media platforms, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. Uh, and it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice on scale of uh, one to five stars. We're going to stick, we're going to keep it there because that's how mm. games are rated. Like, it's a, it's oh. a five star game. So, assuming that this was the game that you got to play and you got to walk through experience. Let's go up on the five. How would you how would you rate it? Yeah, that's good. I was gonna do Pac-Man pellets. Oh like, I am full. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind.